digitalized world. Texting has surpassed calling and our fingers get dumped down by fairly smart keyboards that autocorrect our mistakes on the go. The time of sitting down, gathering one's thoughts, putting a beautiful pen to a piece of paper to write meaningful words through the pressure of one's hand and the motion of one's soul is on the brink of extinction. What exactly is lost? We'll remember today. Letter writing, the beauty of a lost art, our topic in this hour, here on An Organic Conversation, your show on everything that makes life worth living. I'm Helga Helberg. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. Helga, can I just say that was a beautiful intro. That was a really lovely introduction. I was very touched by it. Thank you. It's um it's timely for me. You know, I thought I knew what I wanted to talk about when we opened this segment, which actually is something else that you've said and done. But what you just said in the intro touched something that I've been thinking about so regularly, which is how much tech has kind of how much I've allowed tech to run my life. And I really feel I've lost something by having the digital filter be the means through which I communicate with most people, texting and emails and, you know, the social media sites, all of that kind of stuff to me, while it opens up the possibility of being in touch more frequently with people further away, it lacks this interpersonal feedback loop of reward. Well, a digitalized world is comprised of zero and ones, and humans cannot be reduced to zeros and ones. So we're trying to to fit the human experience of life, heart and soul, into zeros and ones in a certain sequence that will never work. So it only depends on how much you're aware of it, how much you keep in place what makes us human. It's like a digitalized touch. A digitalized touch based on zeros or made out of zeros and ones can never replace a real human touch, however hard we try. And I do think there are many people now that really working hard on seeing if it's possible and blurring the lines there. But yeah, the humanity of us is clearly suffering, obviously, already. Well, I'm, I'm working an edge to really be thankful for all of the things that technology has given us because it has not only created connection across the world, but it's coming up with all kinds of innovative things that are saving lives around the world. Um, and simultaneously recognizing that there is more opportunity to make a heartfelt connection with people. And that's where the topic for this episode on letter writing came from. Yeah, important distinction. I do think this is not about not embracing technology. Obviously, this show wouldn't be able to be broadcast if it wasn't for technology. So technology is part as much of human creation. It just can't replace the human touch of certain aspects. It cannot recreate love. There, there are things we need to, in the evolution of technology, realize and re-embrace, uh, for example, the value of letter writing in this uh, show, of where 
transfer of information or communication even is not the same and we we do learn to draw a clear line i think that's that's where we need to learn how to deal with technology hmm. technology in itself is is just what it is we we created it but as with anything we create whether that's you know warplanes or or airplanes we can we can fly to meet a lover or we can destroy a country it's really it's just our use of it and how aware we are of it and where we make the distinction if this is a moment where we really just need to let somebody know the fastest and shortest form of communication that can be mutually understood or where we are expressing something that is way more important and meaningful to us i think we should just end this pre-intro right there and go to music <laughs> and go to interview because yeah there's an aspect actually i just want to add um, one of my favorite poets wendell berry he's an agricultural poet and he writes every book and he has dozens of books um, with his hand and he says when i use anything else even a typewriter something as simple as a typewriter I would type faster than my soul can come up with words, basically. Mm. Like there's a certain pace to everything. And especially when it comes to love or expressions that are really, really meaningful, where the soul needs a certain form and needs a certain pace to keep up, basically. That makes perfect sense to me. I think I've mentioned on the air, and I know that you know this, I have a very strong journaling practice. And, and I know people who do their journaling on their computers, on a word processor, and I have to do it with pen and paper. I just have to. Doing it differently loses something that cannot be measured in the external world, but I certainly feel it in the internal world. And I, when I was in high school and I worked for the school newspaper, I remember that the teacher who was the faculty that oversaw the newspaper noticed that I wrote everything by hand before I typed it up and submitted it to her. And she told me that in her experience, it is a creative process putting pen to paper. And a lot of creative writers that she knows and has worked with professionally always start writing by hand first. Yeah. And when it comes to writing, there is a step of removal when I see printed out notes that I took on uh, in my computer or when I see something that I wrote by hand. That's still me. The thoughts once put in a, in a keyboard are just um, more removed. It's uh, No, still, I wrote that, but it's just not quite my extension anymore. It's one degree away. And that's exactly the topic of this hour here on An Organic Conversation, letter writing, the beauty of a lost art with an amazing guest who's joining us all the way from Bangalore, India, halfway around the globe because in the humanness of it all, we are all connected, just like next door. I'm Helga Helberg. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. And more is coming here on An Organic Conversation right after the break. Stay tuned. Are you a chef, have a catering business, or planning a party, or simply just love organic produce? If you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, walk right in to Earl's Organic Produce. Anyone can buy directly from us at wholesale prices. You don't have to be a natural food store to enjoy the freshest and most delicious organic produce. We are located on the San Francisco Produce Market at 2101 Gerald Avenue. We look forward to seeing you. Walk-in hours are Monday through Friday throughout the night from 10 p.m. to 10 a.m. Minimum purchase is one box or flat, cash or checks only. For more information, visit earlsorganic.com. Fry Vineyards is America's first organic winery, family-owned and operated since 1980. Dedicated to the highest levels of organic and biodynamic farming, Fry never adds synthetic sulfites or other preservatives to their wines. Fry organic and biodynamic wines include delicious Cabernet Sauvignon, Zinfandel, Syrah, Chardonnay, and Sauvignon Blanc. 
Fry Vineyard's Mendocino County award-winning wines without added sulfites. Available at grocery stores and online at frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E.com. And we're back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. Letter writing, the beauty of a lost art, our main focus in this hour. And with us now is Lakshmi Praturi, the founder and CEO of Inc., an organization out of Bangalore, India. We hope we have her on the phone with us in this hour of an organic conversation on letter writing, the beauty of a lost art. Lakshmi, are you with us? Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us uh-huh. all the way around the globe, kind of. <laughs> tell us tell us first about ink before we really dive into the lost art of letter writing. What what why did you found ink? What is its goal and objective? You know, after working for about 20 years when I look back at everything that I've done, I realized that I love storytelling. Not through me, but by others who are doing the work. Uh, because a lot of times people who are truly amazing don't know how to tell their stories. So Ink is all about uh, telling stories, you know, inspiration. Uh, and also, um, I say that Ink is an ingredient. So whether you write or print, you need Ink. So uh, we are a platform that's successful by the success of those who stand on it. So it's all about, if you go to inktalks.com, there's amazing stories of people. And also, we work a lot on connecting them to their own dreams. So it's about imagining and creating impact. So we say from imagination to impact. That's what we are all about. And you, you did bring the first or the TET conference idea to India in 2009, the first TET India conference was held in Mysore, actually. And then... Correct followed by the Inc. conference in association with yes. TED. The intention of bringing TED here in 2009 was to create an opportunity to tell stories. Basically, I realized that at that point in TED, I was the only Indian who ever gave a talk, and I thought that was ridiculous. There are so many people, uh, actually, there are so many more people who are much better than me in uh, having great stories, and I thought if we brought TED to India, we'll put a bunch of stories from here online. and uh, But once I came to India, what opened my eyes and what I saw is that it's not just about telling the story. There's a lot of work that we need to do to be here and actually handhold and help the people achieve their dreams. So TED is a master of storytelling. I mean, nobody can top that in terms of the amount of amazing stories they have. So our thought was, why don't we build on it and continue telling the stories, continue finding the stories, and spend a lot more time on shaping the minds uh, for many years to come. Uh, so that's how it started. And uh, that was an amazing way for me to learn how to interact with people to get them to tell their story. I have to say, listening to this, I almost wish that our interview was on ink as opposed to the lost art of letter writing. I'm really interested in hearing more about this work you're doing because, of course, as storytellers, any way to help people bring their their story and their art into the world is so, so meaningful. And sure, sure. Especially coming from Asia and especially being a woman, I've experienced that 
uh, you know, Asians always put themselves down like, oh, no, 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 I have nothing to do. I, I'm not really that great. You know, we're like taught to be like that. And especially women are taught to be even more. So I we are totally committed to Asians and women and, you know, people who don't usually tell their stories to get them to tell their stories. But then this is a good thing because that means you'll talk to me again on Inc. So it, you can stick now to letter writing but have another conversation about Inc. Absolutely. And really for me, <laughs> um, listening to you, it is so absolutely connected. It's like the best of what makes humans human. I mean, one of the greatest assets or beauty that we can transfer is storytelling. There are stories in in Europe that are thousands of years old. I'm sure in India it's the same and they have been verbally communicated because even before things were written down to begin with, um, they already existed. And so now letter writing is almost another expression of the human heart, of yes. the beauty of what we can create. Yes. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. it is just a perfect segue, actually, then to move into how we discovered you. So we had this idea, you know, we're, we're right on the on the cusp of a somewhat commercial holiday here in the U.S. called Valentine's Day, which happens oh, to... Oh, don't uh, trust me. It's a great holiday, big holiday. Thank you. Well. Thank you for saying that because it's actually... It's spread everywhere. Oh, good, good, good. Well, it, so I was born on Valentine's Day and I have always loved this day because this day is about love to me more than it's about flowers right. and candy and all of those things. But, you know, Helga yeah. wrote this beautiful blog that has gotten a lot of traffic on our website called Love Letters to Change the world. And the idea is instead mm -hmm. of writing complaint letters to companies, if you wrote them love letters to tell them what you appreciated about them, you would be encouraging more goodness in the world. And we decided we wanted to do an episode on this, on this art of writing letters. And so we did a search to see who might be the best guest. We found your TED Talk and we said, this is the person we want to talk to. So when you put together this TED Talk on the lost art of letter writing, what action were you hoping to inspire and why? You know, um, it's very strange. Whenever I write or give a talk, somehow it's never about what action I want out there. You know, that's like a icing on the cake for me. It's always about uh, traveling within myself to see what are the issues that I need to deal with within myself. Uh, and when uh, Ted asked me, actually June Cohen was with Ted at that time, asked me to do this talk, I really went and thought about what was happening in my life. I just had a kid uh, about a couple years before that. And uh, as a mother, you understand your parents so much better. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought of, my God, how difficult it must have been for my father to let me leave the home when I'm 19 and or go away to America and be at such faraway land and not be able to talk to me for months and not see me for years. So when you have a kid, I think it's a it's a great way to understand your parents better. And my dad passed away by then already. So I thought of, my God, how many times he came to America to spend time with me. I didn't have time for him. And, I, and he would write to me every week, my entire life. He always wrote to me every week. But I never even read half the letters. I'd be like, ah, you know, whatever. You know, I just wasn't somehow in my own trip. And somehow, in the years that after he passed away, I like opened all the letters, I read them. So this talk was really more a catharsis for me of forgiving myself because, you know, 
when somebody passes away, you think of, my God, all the things that it could have been, should have been, all the time I should have spent. All these things go on in your head. And I somehow, to me, this was a homage to my father. Somehow I knew somewhere he's listening to it from somewhere to say that, hey, you know, I I read them. I, I know what you must have gone through. So I think it was more about taking the time to give him the time that I didn't give him when he wasn't alive. So to, to me, you know, any talk I do is a very self-indulgent act of something learning about myself. You know, some of it is glorious and some of it is horrible, gory details, you know. And if it can generate some action out there, if someone else can relate to that, I'm thrilled. So, But it was never to me about, I somehow want to start a revolution about letter writing again or whatever. It was truly I was talking to my dad to tell him that I'm so glad you're with me and I'm so glad you're giving me this opportunity to, to you know, give that time to you that I didn't give before. Sure. So that's what it was for me. We're speaking with Lakshmi Paturi, the founder and CEO of Inc., an organization, Bangalore, India, who's joining us today from halfway around the globe that is focused on storytelling and really everything that makes humans more human. In this hour of an organic conversation, letter writing, the beauty of a lost art. Thank you for sharing that, Lakshmi. And it is beautiful to have something handwritten because it is more than the word that is being communicated when you receive a letter. And in this case, uh, hundreds of letters, potentially, from your father, maybe several yeah. hundred letters from your father. There's the handwriting, which is absolutely an expression of our soul and of our character. We see really the style of writing, which you don't in a, in a digital form. Can you talk about that, seeing your dad in his handwriting? Like, what, what are the benefits or what happens when we put okay. pen to paper versus when we write digitally? Sure. Um, the thing is, we are living in a visual world. Our children are in a visual world. So digital is something we cannot escape. I, I truly believe in a world of or and and not in a world of or, you know, I mean, mm. For example, everybody said when uh, TV came, radio is going to be dead. And But look at us here, still doing, you know, enjoying this <laughs> art form so yes. much. So to me, you know, digital is something, uh, you know, inevitable. We will, you know, it, it, it's got its own amazing qual quality of immediate transmission and in some ways on some server living forever. But handwriting to me still is so precious because... It's something that touched someone's hand is with you. So somehow there is those particles of that person on that paper somewhere, you know. I can imagine my father, the chair in which he would sit uh, to write, and he would get up at 3.15 every morning and he would write for three hours. And I can see where he was sitting. I can see that, you know, that pad on which he would put the paper I can, you know, it's like it's when I take that letter out, the whole memory comes back to me. And it's somehow a physical connection to him, to me, that I touched this and this touched his hand sometime, you know, some years ago. So I think that in this world of visualization and digital, where we experience everything through another medium, 
it's very important to have somehow this uh, some tactile connection to the world you know like no matter how many skype calls i have with my son it doesn't equate hugging him you know or being with him or seeing him laugh or watching him sleep or sleep or whatever it's just not the same so i think we need to be in the end world we need to take every time i travel now i always write a postcard to my son you know it comes much many more days after i arrive back but somehow uh, i always write because i hope that sometime after i go away he'll have those things to remember me by you know so i think um, there's something beautiful about physical uh, proximity and touch and feel uh, and if we lose that i think we lose ourselves we can't live in a world where everything is digital you know where it's like okay i'll uh, talk to my you know spouse digitally my child digitally and everything it's never that it's an and world and i have come to a point where if i have to write an article if i have to think something i have to type i can't think now it, without typing but a lot of my unintended thoughts come i just write sometimes with no purpose i doodle and some amazing things emerge out of it you know so you just said that both but i think it's so important for me when someone writes it takes more time to write you know so giving that time is important yeah you you're bringing up a beautiful point we do live in a visual world and actually handwriting is whether it's letter writing or an article but handwriting is a drawing we all agreed at one point that this symbol of letters the way we put you know ink on paper means something means a word uh, if a few letters put together so we're actually drawing a story but this the symbols of the story are not an animal and a tree it's letters that that have meaning Uh, once put together in a certain form, but it is a drawing, nevertheless. You're actually looking at your father's letters at a drawing yeah. that you could frame and and have as a piece of him and his expression, just like a painting right. that he did forever in your in your living room as as something he actually Absolutely. drew. And I used to write like twenty to thirty page letters, you know, when I went to a new place to explain to my family where I'm living, how does it look. Um, you know, because we didn't have cameras where you could take a picture and just send it. It was very expensive. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. So I would draw everything. Like, this is the layout of my house upstairs, downstairs, you know, all these kinds of things. And uh, it is very visual. Even when my father's letter, he would draw something or, uh, you know, whatever. And each person's handwriting is different, you know. The way it flows is different because each of it is a piece of art. Yeah, sure. absolutely right. <clears throat> We're speaking with Lakshmi Praturi, the founder and CEO of Inc. That is Inc. Talks, I-N-K, talks.com, and also lakshmislounge.com, another website. Lakshmi brought the TED conference to India and gave a fantastic TED talk on our topic in this hour, The Beauty of a Lost Art, Letter Writing, Here on An Organic Conversation, I'm Helga Helberg. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. And Lakshmi is joining us today all the way from Bangalore, India. Lakshmi, stay with us. We'll take a quick break, but we'll be right back with more. 
Are you interested in making healthy food your profession? Bowman College is a leader in the field of holistic nutrition and culinary arts. Their professional training programs prepare individuals for successful careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Study at one of four locations in California and Colorado or learn from home in a self-paced mentor distance learning program. Find out more about their classes on holistic nutrition and culinary arts at bowmancollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N college.org. Produce is ever-changing, seasons coming and going. At Earl's Organic, we have been sourcing solely organic produce for over 20 years. Since 1988, Earl's Organic Produce has been establishing strong relationships with growers and developing a deep understanding of the seasons, so you can offer the most delicious organic produce to your customers, staff, and clients year-round. For organic produce, visit Earl's Organic Produce at earlsorganic.com. That's earlsorganic.com. And we are back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Hilbert. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. Letter writing, the beauty of a lost art, almost lost art, we should say. Our focus in this hour here on an organic conversation. And with us is Lakshmi Praturi, founder and CEO of Inc. That's inktalks.com who's joining us today from Bangalore, India, pretty much on the other side of the planet. <laughs> well, before the break, Lakshmi, you were talking about this juxtaposition of the need to write by hand and the need to write on your computer. And I appreciated what you said that sometimes when you have to write an article, you need to sit at your computer because it, it's what gets you thinking in that way. But when you have kind of these unscheduled needs to write something, um, you sit down and you do that with pen and paper. And I could really relate to that, that, you know, when I have to write something professionally, very frequently, I am starting it on my computer and the words just flow from my fingertips onto the keyboard. But I have an external goal there. And so I'm do working in an external way. But when I sit with my pen and paper, it's like I'm trying to trying to pull something out of inside of me. And that's the way that it flows. And so I was just noticing that listening to you talk about the the beauty and the benefit of handwritten letters inspired this within me. And because this is a topic that you've spoken about and you have this TED Talk out there that I know a lot of people have watched, what other ways have you seen people re-embrace this art of sharing their personal sentiment through handwritten letters? You know, I keep, uh, w one of the things is uh, people who work with me or people who um, are close to me uh, write to me now because they know that <laughs> I treasure that, like as a, for a birthday, give somebody That's writes great. a letter to me. Uh, actually, one of my team members, Vaiva, um, wrote a letter to me to, uh, to, you know, to sharing what he's going through, etc. Because he knew that that would be the best gift he could give me. Uh, and I keep getting not even now. I mean, this talk is almost eight. I don't know, many many years old. Even now, I get some Facebook post from someone very funny. And, uh, um, you know, notes in people saying, you really inspired me uh, to write, so thank you. I've written to my dad, I've written to my son, or, you know, whatever. So it's amazing to me after so many years, if someone chanced upon it, they somehow seem to act and 
and write, even if it's the only letters I go to write in their entire life or whatever, um, I still get those notes from people. Uh, and um, so it's, it's nice, actually. You know, I never ever, I somehow never intended to start a revolution in, you know, <laughs> writing letters once again, but uh, you seem to be making a little effort, you know, um, notes here or there that come out, which is really heartwarming for me. Well, in addition to this idea of, of writing letters by hand, have you seen people kind of latch on to the opportunity to write in different ways? I mean, Helga pointed out that really this is this is art. We've decided that the symbol is the letter, but we're still creating art. Are there things that people really, that, that they use to translate this art of handwritten letters? Is it sketching? Is it sharing poetry? Is it finding some really beautiful handmade paper? Yeah, I mean, if you even if you look at, say, for example, uh, in India, companies like Rubbermaid, that sort of that make notebooks, right? You know, are uh, uh, something that make us do our scheduling or something where you can write. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have actually produced a lot of our program guides, uh, uh, which are notebooks. You know, uh, where it has a little bit of about speakers, but it's really notebooks. And I really see somehow today a lot more people writing and doodling, you know, while taking notes, while they're in meetings or whatever. You know, my my entire team is half my age. You know, they're very young. And pretty much all of them use notebooks to take notes, to write and to, and you know, and they're doodling, and all of them have doodles on their notebooks. <laughs> uh, and, I, and I end up working with a lot of artists who whose notebooks are like, I would love to like buy them. You know, they're just <laughs> such pieces of art. Um, so I think it's still alive a lot, and I see a lot of people taking notes when they're in meetings that's even now. Yeah, I've just seen at, at an airport. Uh, I spent some time in in Europe over the holidays a few weeks back. They're now electronic pens that actually read your handwriting. It's mm-hmm. it's like a normal pen in a normal moleskin notebook. And at the end of your sentence or your page, you can actually transfer everything you just wrote by hand into a digital form, into a, a sure, file form. Sure. So we had, it seems like we are, we are trying to compensate or break the barrier between that what makes it human and that what makes it technology. What do you, what do you think about that? Where... What is the line that we should be drawing or should we not be drawing? Does it matter? You know, I mean, we, the fact of the matter is we never get to draw lines. I mean, lines happen and we just choose to go one way or the other. You know, it's like a collective effort and no one of us can decide to draw the line one way or the other. So I think, um, you know, there is, there's, you know, does life imitate it art or does art imitate life? It's like a vicious circle, right? So it's the same way for this also is that I think we say, okay, here is how I write, here is how I type, and then now whatever you write become write becomes the typed word uh, so uh, everybody can understand handwriting, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So I think we, we will always traverse these worlds. And at the same time, and I think in some ways the way our lives live on digitally is very powerful, you know, and uh, uh, and at the same time, there is something about 
leaving something physical for someone, yeah, you, you know, and uh, I mean, we all build virtual models of homes, but as a legacy, you want to leave a real home in which somebody can live, right? Mm. It's the same thing about these also. I think uh, maybe something physical is a lot more of a legacy and much smaller in content. You know, if digitally you fill 1,000 pages, say, you know, physically you may leave as a legacy five pages. So, um, so it's a matter of something you want to hang on to or pass on versus something you express yourself and it makes it easy for you to express yourself. And there will be no, I mean, if you look at all the virtual reality that's coming down, all the products that are coming down, we are going to be living in a digital world in the most unimaginable way. I mean, I don't think we can even imagine what's coming three years down the line, not 30 years. Just three years down the line, what's going to be is going to be unimaginable. So I think we are entering a visual world where it is mirroring reality. Mm-hmm. So, and at the same time, I think we need to experience reality in real time and leave something physical behind as well. Yes, that's Lakshmi Praturi, the founder and CEO of Inc. Again, that's inktalks.com or her website. Lakshmi's Lounge.com. Lakshmi, we're, we're looking at a holiday here in the United States. And before we let you go, um, I do want to th- inquire about your thoughts. Uh, it is Valentine's Day, usually a very commercialized holiday. It's also Sita's birthday. Happy birthday, mm, Sita. Thank you. How can we decommercialize it or What what is your suggestion or idea, if you had one wish, to leave with our audience today in light of Valentine's Day? What's the easiest or most appropriate form uh, of the heart to expressing appreciation and love? The most expensive gift you can give someone is your time. You know, it is such a rare commodity these days. Yes. So I think anything where you've put in the time to create for somebody, not just something you can buy, but something you've created for somebody, however unprofessional it may be. I think a lot of times we hold ourselves back to say, oh, but I can't write because my handwriting isn't good. I don't know what to say. I'm I'm not really good with words. I don't know how to draw. But it's never about perfection. It's always about the intention. So I think if we all realize that and not, somehow kill ourselves to get the best present or the most expensive one. But truly take the time to think of what the other person wants or who the other person is. Maybe it's just telling them why you love them or, or just saying thank you for being there or whatever. But think of the most creative way you can express it to somebody through something you do with your hands, whether it is a you know letter or whether it is a garland you make or I don't know anything that allows you to take the time to do something for them we are expressing to them that I'm so glad you're in my life Uh, you know that'd be so much more meaningful I think the commercial angle comes we somehow want to one-up ourselves to say uh, to express ourselves through what we can buy but I think we really express ourselves through what we do Uh, and uh, so I think um, if we can, if we can take the time to actually create something uh, for the other person, then it'll serve the true intention of Valentine's Day, which is 
uh, you know, to express your love for someone in your life. And that brings us uh, back to two things. One, we had a show on the zero waste lifestyle a few months back. And our guest was saying that even though it started as an environmental idea that packaging and commercialism, uh, you know, they, they just didn't want in their lives anymore or to play such a large role. But what they found was, even though they thought it was about minimalism, it was the most enriching thing they could have done for their family bond and their love for one another because it cleared the path to just be. And it right. brings me also back to the beginning of the show to your dad. You said that you wrote a letter to your father in return. Is that did I catch that correctly? Uh, no, I think it. You know, writing back that letter is more in your own mind. I didn't. Write, I write to my son a lot more, so I think you can only pay it forward. Mm. And but I do. It's sort of it's a conversation I have with him to say, okay, this is about. All the times I didn't give you, I'm at least giving it to you now. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. so it, at least let us allow me to do that of spending time with him in ways that I, you know, I didn't um, when he was alive. You know, I just have to say one thing yeah. though. Yes, uh, my father was a very wise man, and before he passed away, he told me that he said, "I know after I die, you're going to say." I should have done this, I should have done that, I should have bought this, I should have bought that. I just want you to know I'm dying a very happy man. You've done everything you could to make me happy. So don't ever beat yourself saying that you should have done this or you should have done that because that's what people do after somebody else dies. And that was such an amazing thing to have said to him, for him to say to me. But still, I think um, even now, whenever I read his letter, it's it's like... It's a conversation I have with him to say, you're still with me. Well, the time to write a letter either to people who have already passed on to other realms or who are still with us, the, the time is always now. I, I've heard and seen and experienced it myself to write letters to people that are no longer among us, and it was the most liberating and peaceful thing I could have done. So I think the, the, the art of letter writing and the, the benefit of putting hand and pressure to paper is always with us for as long as we live. Um, and I hope you inspired many, many, many people to follow that example and try it again. Oh, well, you've remember. inspired me. <laughs> Thank you so it's much. It's all about actually. you. <laughs> you feel so good after you write a letter, you know? Yes, it's true. It's so personal. And, and that's, like you said, one of the most precious things you can share. So our show is listened to you um, all around the world, including in India. And if people want to get involved, check out Inc. Conference, uh, inktalks.com or lakshmislounge.com and the still famous TED Talk on letter writing that our guest gave, uh, you said years ago at this point, right? But it, it, those things yeah. just never <laughs> wane in uh, appreciation. That's Lakshmi Praturi, again, the founder and CEO of Inc. And, and an amazing and inspiring woman who joined us today from Bangalore, India. Thank you, Lakshmi, for making the time this early in the morning in India to join us. Wonderful to have you. Sure, thank you very much. It's, it's always Wonderful to talk about letters. Yes. Well, and to next talk time we'll talk about ink, which you, you were doing such inspirational work over there. And I look forward to hearing more. <laughs> 
Definitely. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Speak soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay. Bye, Lakshmi. Bye. You know, something she said reminded me of this this idea that I had once and kind of put on a back shelf that I'd like to bring back. Sometimes I read sentiments in greeting cards that are so moving and I'll take a photo of them or I'll write down what the sentiment was in my journal because what I want to do is share that sentiment and pay it forward, use it again in the future. And what she was saying about if you write something by hand, if you took the time to do it, it's just it has a personal touch. If you see something that you like and you save it and you write it in a blank card, it's going to feel more personal than if you were to send that sentiment in a card that was printed on the card. So I think I'm going to I'm going to pull out those sentiments and write them by hand and send them to people because they definitely are communicating something that I would like to share with them. Yeah, instead of pay forward, steal forward. <laughs> well, that's why I kind of felt guilty about it. I'm like, I feel like I'm stealing somebody's art. But it's... Um, no, it's yeah, all good. Nothing is original anyway. It has been said a thousand times. No, it, it, it matters that you want to do that and that it means something to you. That's all that matters. That's what I'm going to do for Valentine's Day. Good for you. Happy birthday again. Thank you. This is an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. And more is coming up soon. Stay tuned. And we're back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. That was an hour on letter writing, the beauty of a lost art. And just as much and not so anymore lost art is sustainable agriculture. Luckily, luckily for us, here's the update from the world of produce. Straight from the produce dock, here is what's in season. And with us, as always, is the voice of the San Francisco produce market, Mr. Earl Herrick. At least we hope so. Earl, are you there? Oh, yeah. I'm here. How y'all doing? Good. <laughs> nice to have you back. We yeah. are good. You were on the road. We're eager to know what's happening. EcoFarm last yeah. week. Great update. Thank you so much for that. And, and you're back in San Francisco and you're looking at produce. What's peaking? What's happening? It's, a, it's an awkward time, is it not? Well, yeah, it is different. You know, we're uh, you know, in February. Lots of stuff still going on. But what I want to talk about is, did you all have your fill of guacamole for the Super Bowl? <laughs> uh, the Super Bowl, San Francisco. Um, oh, well, I was just going to answer your question, quite honestly, yeah. because I don't know if I ever get my fill of guacamole. Because when I do, it lasts for like an hour, and then I need to refill on guacamole. <laughs> yeah, isn't that so? Um, well, 
the reason, you know, avocados we can talk about any time. This is an interesting time. Not only the Super Bowl has become such a, a you know a vent tied to a particular item. It's it's hysterical in some sense because really avocados are not really that good right now. There's a there's a couple things that are converging. There's the Mexican crop and the California crop, and uh-huh. we're talking about the king of the avocados, and that's a Haas avocado. There are other varieties around, but this is really the one that you, that we, we think about, we refer to when we say avocado. Now, when I say they're not as good, the, the Mexican is actually quite good, and it's better than the California just by the season, the season change that we have, which is the end of the Mexican crop and the beginning of the California. And many people, especially out here in California, there's the clamor for more local. I want to eat what, uh, what what's here, domestic. I want the California Haas. Well, this is one time when you, you don't really want to eat the local deal because it's not really quite ready. Mm-hmm. So uh, hopefully you you knew what you were buying in preparation for the Super Bowl so you had some ripe avocados. One of the mistakes that can happen is they're not properly labeled on the retail end. So um, a proper identification would be these are ha- these are Haas avocados from Mexico, these are Haas avocados from California, and then you would know that one's going to take a lot longer to ripen. Oh and really? So, oh yeah, the new California crop is is going to take you. It could take you two weeks to ripen. Oh, You're kidding? Wow. Yeah, because it's that early in the season. The oil hasn't developed. They're not as mature. Whereas the Mexican, they're going to ripen in about four days. Well, that's so, a big difference. But the California will eventually still ripen, or is the oil content so little that they might go bad on you after two weeks? Well, that's true, too. That's, a, that's great. That is an observation that we make every year, that this early, that's one of the reasons I stay away from the California crop, is that there's a high percentage that don't really ripen very well. Mm-hmm. They don't, and first of all, and if they do, they're just not as flavorful yet. Right so right. I'm saying still get that Mexican avocado if you can. Just watch out for it because um, it will ripen very quickly on you, uh, and then you can really enjoy it. But then I would—I generally wait till the end of February, another couple weeks, to really get into the California. Even then, it will take at least 10 days to ripen, depending on how much maturity has on it already in the store. Some of the smarter retailers understand that it takes longer, and they're going to do some preconditioning on their uh, end. Yeah. So. Because obviously, if you have an if you have an avocado and you eat it, you're going to come back for more. If you have an avocado that it's not ripening yet, you tend to wait till it's ripe until you buy some more. Well, and in, in all defense, it, it it can't be super easy for a retailer to to gauge exactly how many avocados they might sell to have like semi-ripe ones in the yeah. in the shelf. But it is kind of surprising to me that large, even natural foods retailers, and we don't want to mention any names, but you can find you know stacks of avocados rock hard. There's just it, and every customer is is squeezing all of them to find the one that they can actually eat today or tomorrow, and yep. yet they are you know they're days and days and days away. In rock, this case, rock hard. weeks. Yeah, weeks. So fascinating that it is not closer to the truth yet. Why why is it so difficult to condition that? Well, I, I think part part of it's got to be on that retailer where they need to have an educated staff. Uh, a staff with initiation uh-huh. and, and and really a high level of service, uh, rather than just put your uh, your attention on creating big displays that are beautiful. You want to take that next step and go, hey, I know if I sell this and it's ready to eat, they're going to come back for more. So it's a smart 
retail mm-hmm. uh, point of view, but also I want to have my customer have the best experience they can with what with what, what they have to offer. Sure. So it all has it really comes down. So what what our point of view on it is. We do a lot of we put out a lot of information, whether it's on our website or individual uh, blogs or or uh, uh, faxing or emailing information over. But the fact is, only a certain percentage of the retailers use that. Mm-hmm. So you know, if with this conversation here, more people can hear this and go and perhaps use a bit of their political power, that they're buying a, a dollar to. Sure. Uh, to communicate, hey, I'd like to know where from where these are coming, and and uh, like to have a certain percentage of these to be ripe. So what we've started to do at Earl's is precondition avocados. Also, how would you, as a listener, go to the store? Like, does color matter? I know it's always relatively firm to the touch. Um, of course, no obvious blemishes. But what what are some a couple yeah. more good tips to pick a, an avocado that's ripe in a day or two? Yeah, well, um, color, especially for a Haas they will get dark and black as they ripen. Now, there's a certain time of year, this one, where they may be ripen when they're still black-green because it's still early. Uh, so the color is a definitely the big issue. What, what you, about like really light green ones that I've seen? Are they just not ripe or is that a different no, variety? No, well, it can be a different variety. If it's a smooth skin, then that could be a, a bacon or a reed. They're rounder. They're not as, they don't have much of a stem to it. Mm. Uh, those, those will will only get a little duller. Sure. That's, when, that's when, how they look as they ripen there. They get a little duller. Um, but with the Haas, it's got to be dark. And again, this time of year, if, if your retailer happens to mention the, uh, the country of origin, uh, and if they don't, you ask. If they do, if it's, if it's U.S., you want to understand that it's going to take a little longer. And you want those to ripen on the counter. They're not going to ripen very well under refrigeration. And avocados don't ripen particularly well if you keep them under 55 degrees. And to, to make sure it's organic, whatever it may say, if it says organic and there's a little number underneath, always the nine, right? That's right. It's five digits starting with nine. Yeah, it's wonderful food. Thank you, Earl. You are rooting for avocados always, which <laughs> is it, great. <laughs> we'll have you back. That's Earl Herrick, the voice of the San Francisco produce market with the lovely weekly update of what's going on on the shelves in the produce aisle. Thank you, Earl. We'll have you back next week. Excellent. Thank great you. talking with you. It. Take care. Talk to you then. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye now. I have to say that was a balanced hour. I was so touched and moved by our conversation with Lakshmi. And then Earl just comes on and Earl's like, Earl's like sunshine. I think all of the fruits and vegetables that he sells could probably be grown by the sheer wattage of his laughter and his smile. He's just... Well, they're all smiling if you really look closely enough. I'll bet they are. I'll bet yeah. they are. I mean, I know, his, I know his team does. I mean, they're just continuing to expand and they... Oh, I, they're I very feel, happy people. I did feel that the, the presence and and joy that Lakshmi as our guest on letter writing oozed and, and, and communicated really an appreciation for life and meaning and purpose. It's the same appreciation for life that you see in Earl with produce and anyone who really appreciates Does, life well, and has found something they truly exactly, love. Exactly. Has that same sense. And Earl says that every time we talk to him and yeah. whether he says it on air, but I tell you, he says it every time we see him That's outside great. of the studio that he just feels so fortunate to do what he does. 
Yeah. I, you know, Good just, for us. It's a career that continues to make him happy day after day. Yep. Just Shall like we all you be so lucky? in the studio. Just like me in the studio. <laughs> That's an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. And we'll be back with another lovely episode next week. Talk to you then. See you soon. Bye. An Organic Conversation is a proud production of the Organic Media Network. Associate producer, Kristen Ponger. This show would not be possible without the ongoing support from our listeners. Whether it's a dollar a month or a one-time donation, please consider becoming a patron of An Organic Conversation. For more information on how to support this program, please visit patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash An Organic Conversation. Thank you for your contribution. An Organic Conversation is made possible through listeners like you and the fantastic support of our underwriters. Earl's Organic Produce, a national distributor providing certified organic fruits and vegetables for your store, home, or business since 1988. The website is earlsorganic.com. And also Fry Vineyards, America's first certified organic winery, producing organic and certified biodynamic wine. For more information, frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E.com. Thank you as well to Bowman College, focused on holistic nutrition and culinary arts for over 20 years. Bowman College offers professional training programs that prepare individuals for careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Their website is bowmancollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N college.org. If you missed parts of this show or for any other episode, go to iTunes or anorganicconversation.com. And for more information, health tips, recipes, and your daily dose of inspiration, please follow us on facebook.com forward slash anorganicconversation. We are your hosts, Helga Helber and Sitarani Palomar. And we'll be back right here, same place, same time, next week. See you then. Bye.